tax tax, which is always exciting. GST reform. That's a great idea. Have a more efficient yeah. tax. Due diligence now. Hello and welcome. This is Tax Wrap, brought to you by Taxpayers Australia's tax specialists. My name is Nathan Hewitt, and today we're joined by Angela Lehman, Andy Newen, and Letty Choi. And today we've got a special guest, George Sarakos, Tax Director for Crow Port. Thanks for joining us, George. Great. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks for having Hi, Nathan. Me. Morning, How are we Nathan. doing the rest Hi, of Nathan. the panel? <laughs> it's quite a, a warm day today, and um, summer and tax are generally not synonymous uh, terms. They seldom go hand in hand. But there's no reason why we can't break down that wall and make it fun. First of all, Project Do It. Now, George, um, Project Do It is the tax office amnesty to taxpayers. So can you take us away with that topic, please? Yeah, I mean, Project Do It is a, uh, basically, as you said, an amnesty um, for people that have offshore uh, income or offshore assets where they haven't declared that uh, to the ATO. It's basically a last opportunity for them to come forward and, uh, and declare that uh, to the tax office. Uh, with some quite you know, concessional outcomes, uh, and I think it's a fantastic program. Mm. Um, and the deadline's coming up soon, so uh, hopefully this gives everyone some insight into uh, what's available to their uh, for them and their clients. Well, uh, George, what are the sweeteners? What exactly are these concessional outcomes you speak of? Yeah, I think I think the first one is that uh, the ATO will limit the uh, when they amend an assessment for any undeclared income or uh, or gains or, or assets. Um, they'll limit that to uh, the last four years. Uh, provided you've, your tax returns are up to date, whereas usually uh, the ATO c- could always say that there's been fraud or evasion, in which case there's an unlimited period of amendments sure. that can go back uh, a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yep. And, and what's what's the deadline, George, in terms of uh, you know getting your affairs in order with the tax office? Yeah, not long. Uh, Pre-Christmas, nineteenth of December. So it's time to get on the phone with your tax agent. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And as we said, this is a last-minute opportunity. So um, you know, this is the chance to get to get your affairs in order. And uh, we found clients that that have neglected mm. in the past to uh, sort of you know put their heads in the in the sand. Um, this is a chance to come forward. Now, Josh, as an individual taxpayer, I may simply have been ignorant about international tax. I may simply not have known. Should I be scared about penalties, fines, prison? No, no, this is exactly what Project Do It has actually been designed to do. Uh, It's to help people, like you just mentioned now. Um, So the first thing is with penalties, um, usually in an audit situation, worst case scenario, you might be facing 90% penalties. Under Project Do It, the penalties are capped at 10% of the tax shortfall. And that's the tax shortfall over the last four years. So the scope of what the ATO is actually going to look at has been drastically minimised. And George, sort of... In, in you know at Crow, Crow Hallworth, what, what what are you seeing with some of your your clients uh, who who are you know coming up to you and say, look, I want to be in, involved in Project Do It. What are some examples that you can give us? Yep. Um, the most typical examples being people that have been working uh, overseas, say twenty years ago, they were working over in. Uh, um, you know, one in the Middle East, for example, the UK, they accumulated a significant amount of uh, cash during that time. They stuck it in a bank account, say in Switzerland, uh, mm. out of sight, out of mind, came back to Australia and never declared any sort of income on those bank accounts. That's quite a typical scenario for these people. So there's an opportunity to actually bring the money back, do something useful with the cash, rather than leave it sitting in a uh, bank account uh, overseas. Uh, that, that's the, the typical scenario we've seen, or the most common scenario. The other scenarios have been around uh, people that have had wealth they've accumulated prior to tax residency or even through an inheritance 
and they've left that money sitting in an offshore company or sitting in an offshore trust mm-hmm. uh, and haven't dealt with that simply because the rules around you know uh, these sort of structures are quite technical Absolutely. and quite difficult. So again, I'd, out of sight, out of mind, put your head in the sand, not yeah. deal with it. And this is the opportunity to actually, um, you know, you know, basically bring everything back onto the books, clean the slate and bring the funds back into Australia. George, mm. why would the ATO offer this amnesty to taxpayers? Yeah. I think uh, I think that was sort of raised before our, uh, our <laughs> podcast here and it was a very, a very good point. Um, I mean, when the Commissioner gives administrative treatment to a lot of uh, the tax law, he's really saying that the resources dedicated to the compliance action is probably not um, the best use of funds. Mm. So it's an opportunity sure. to basically say to people, rather than going through this, uh, rather than going through an audit, and you know, having to run arguments like fraud or evasion, have it, which are quite complicated yeah. arguments, yep. there's an opportunity for people to clean the slate quite easily, bring everything back onto the books. More investment comes into Australia, the income comes, comes into the Australian tax net, that's better for everyone. Yeah, and I guess for taxpayers that probably considering out there, well, if I don't disclose, then does that mean that I just get away mm. with it? Yeah. For those how that, if, or, or how would the ATO mm. know otherwise? Um, what are some of the warnings to, to those people who maybe think that it's not really worth the amnesty or bothering with this? Yeah, I mean, I would say um, I'd say they're probably crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think sooner or later, technology is uh, you know advancing pretty quickly. Sooner or later, um, you know, the ATR probably will find out. Mm. Um, uh, Australia has started uh, started to agree to there's going to be a common standard reporting and information exchange, yeah. which means yeah. the ATO can basically exchange information with other. Uh, foreign tax authorities yeah. with foreign banks and foreign government institutions. Absolutely. Yes. And my experience has been that you never know what's going to happen. And the things that we've seen come out of audit, uh, where the ATO has actually put requests into foreign uh, organisations, yes. the information is actually quite surprising. Yeah, uh, to the extent where one of our clients doing a, a risk review got questioned about a property they'd purchased overseas. Yeah. Um, and this client, in fact, had only signed the contract, never settled on the property, never mm-hmm. acquired the property. But the ATO was able to... to uh, obtain that information. Um, So it just goes to show the power of information exchange. So my my response to that is usually, how do you know? And this is the opportunity just to bring it back onto the books. Absolutely. And don't forget that uh, these international agreements are actually usually legally binding on these foreign authorities and foreign banks and companies as well. So you can't just call your mate overseas and tell them not to tell the ATO because then they'd be breaking the law. Mm. That's right, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And what we're actually seeing is that you know jurisdictions that were previously tax havens have actually signed up this information okay. exchange because they've started to feel the pressure, yes. which is part yeah. of the drivers. And part they want the to drivers. keep the international investments as well. So. That's right. So yeah. part of the drivers of Project Do It has been the pressure on foreign jurisdictions. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I guess it's a case of... Uh, you can run, but you can't hide. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But I mean, this, this is, you know, uh, I, th- I think it's a bit sort of, you know, harsh to say, you know, you can run, but you can't hide. I mean, it's a real opportunity to clean the slate. Yeah. You know? That's true as well. Um, um, and if we're talking about, sorry, um, with Project Do It itself, the concept of an amnesty requires trust sort of going both ways. Mm. I mean, um, the tax office is sort of saying, well, you know, we'll give you this leeway, we trust you to come forth with this information, mm. but we also have to trust that the tax office is going to be um, above board with the information that you do give them that you hand over. So, George, what are the, some of the... Are there any risks to the tax office getting this information and, and maybe not, um, you know, doing exactly what they said they were going to do with it, basically? Yeah. 
I mean, the uh, one of the conditions of Project Do It is that you need to make a true and correct disclosure. Yeah. So you need to be upfront with what you're going to do, and obviously made all reasonable efforts to um, to in, in making the disclosure. Uh, the ATO has been quite uh, proactive and um, and published a lot of their uh, the terms of Project Do It on the website. So it's all publicly available. Um, they're saying this is what they're going to do, and they're going to stick to that. Otherwise, you know, why would people come forward unless you have that yep. that sure. trust? So it's going to undermine the integrity of the program. And no one will ever want to do a voluntary disclosure again if they see that this isn't going to sure. stick to the programs. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. So I guess you know, um, it's it's one of those things where if you're upfront with the tax office, you know, I, I guess you know you can at least get that assurance that they'll be pretty fair with you. Yeah. Yeah. As George mentioned, there is a lot of information publicly available on the ATO website. Contact us if you need help finding that information. That's right. Now also before we move on, um, with Project Do It, how long have people had sort of, what, what was the period when the, the tax office announced that Project Do It was going to be um, implemented? So they, they gave the deadline of the 19th of December, when, when was it actually um, announced, if you like? Um, from memory, I think it was about yeah April March. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think late March was when it was announced. Yeah. Um, this year. Okay. Yeah. 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 Early this year. There's actually been so. Um, I mean, there was quite a lot of consultation with uh, practitioners in designing the program, uh, and I think the ATO has had quite a few months now to iron out any sort of uh, issues that that might come up. Uh, for example, they started to realise that people that had money sitting in a uh, uh, in a foreign bank account may have lost money during the GFC. Mm. So rather than declaring income, they were declaring losses. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of complexities about winding up offshore companies and trusts. And the ATO has had quite a lot of time to, um, to actually resolve those sort of issues. Mm. Yeah. And now they've actually come forward publicly in the last month or so mm. and published their, uh, their views uh, on the website. So um, you know, they, they haven't, you know, they've been quite upfront with what they're gonna do. Um, and I guess, exci- yep. do you think, oh, I, this is just off the cuff, Personally, I think we're going to see a bit more of this type of cooperative environment with the ATO. Is that something that you tend to agree with, that now going forward with the new vision of the ATO, we'll see a lot more of this cooperative tax type system where the ATO does give us that trust, as Nathan said. Yeah, I think that's the case. I mean, yeah. new commissioner, new outlook, new culture of mm-hmm. the ATO. Uh, and I think, I think it's great. A lot of the times, tax law is so complex. People haven't realised they've done the wrong thing, and it's only a number of years that someone else picks up the uh, yeah. picks up the oversight, and all of a sudden they sit there going, sitting there thinking, "Do I come forward? Don't I come forward?" Is is the is the challenge of actually cleaning this up, you know, get all the benefits going to outweigh the the costs and the risks? Absolutely. So uh, you know, it, it's it's great that the ATO is being proactive and, and practical about these sort of things. Agreed. Let's uh, talk practicalities, George. So I've got. For example, an overseas bank account. I need to. Well, I want to make a disclosure. How do I go about doing it? Do I? Is it as simple as filling out a form? Or yeah, it, it's almost that simple. Uh, first thing is you call me or call Taxpayers Australia, um, and, and get some greater sort of insight into the program. Um, it's it's pretty much that simple. You just you know work out at least for a bank account. It's quite straightforward. Work out what income hasn't been declared over the last four years, and you make that declaration in in an approved form. Um, that goes into the tax office, and in due course, they make a, an amended assessment. Um, alternatively, there might be an opportunity there to do a settlement um, if, if that's not the way to go. And the ATO has actually been quite proactive in contacting us, the tax agent, in putting these um, okay. these options forward. Uh, but it's actually quite that you know that simple. Um, usually, what you might do is do an expression of interest before formally submitting your voluntary mm-hmm. disclosure, and that gives you 90 days to actually get your disclosure 
uh, in order. But the best, what, what I've found is that the biggest upside of Project Do It has been talking to clients about what they're going to do with the money once it's come back into the Australian tax net. Um, you know, you hear people talking about, look, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to reinvest now into an, into Australian investments. We're going to take it out of a foreign country, reinvest in Australia. We're going to help our kids out by, um, you know, helping them with the home, paying a wedding. Uh, we might put money into a super fund if we can. Uh, and the, probably the most, um, you know, the two most important or the two most sort of um, um, you know, uh, sort of scenarios where, where we get the most satisfaction from are people talking about this is how I'm going to pass wealth on to the next generation. Yeah. It's on the books now. We can pass it on to our kids mm. without leaving with a tax burden. Mm. So that's quite sentimental. And the other one is clients just saying, oh, now I can sleep at night. Yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we all do, do need a good night's sleep. So they can't, <laughs> be, can't be underestimated. Now, property investments, uh, George and Andy, that's something that you guys, a topic that you can champion, so I'll leave that to you. Now, George, there was a, a presentation that you gave uh, recently um, about this issue, so if we can get a little... Yeah, I've, I mean, there's been a... I, I guess the thing, George, is with inbound property investments, there's been a lot of foreign residents, foreign investors coming in and buying property. What, what's been sort of the, the, the increase in that? What, what's, what's, what's driven that the last couple of years? Yeah, it's, I think it's a very exciting time to be in, on sort of advising property investment at the moment. There's so much money coming in, especially from China, but all parts of, of Asia into Australian real property. Mm. Uh, you know, my perception, and it's only my perception of the, of, of the situation, seems to be that you know, there's been a lot of money that's been accumulated overseas um, you know, over the past few years, and clients are saying, um, you know, I want to get this money out of China or out of Hong Kong, or I'm just worried about sort of stability, or I just want to diversify. Um, you know, my investments. And Australia seems to be quite a stable, and Australian real property especially, mm. seems to be quite a stable uh, market. So people are saying, well, let, let's invest. Um, and I think, I think it's a great opportunity because, you know, people are coming into the country, bringing money, funds into the country, you know, creating developments, it's creating jobs, it's creating, uh, you know, productivity. Mm. Um, and then, you know, usually they're, um, and most, of the, most of the, the clients I've seen, they're actually selling off the property back, um, so not holding on to it. Uh, in most cases, and and the man that's walking through your door, or the typical client, what's what's their profile? I mean, what what are you experiencing with with these people walking through the door, saying to you, George, I want to buy a piece of real estate, whether that be commercial or residential property? What, what are, what's their typical profile? Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, as, as I sort of mentioned before, um, most of the most of the clients we're seeing coming in from China. At the moment, there's also Singapore and Malaysia um, and other parts, Indonesia. There's um, been some recent interest around uh, Indonesia. Um, and they're basically saying, I want to come to Australia. Um, not really uh, investment, mainly around development. Um, and then sort of developing residential apartments and, mm. and selling them off from there. Um, you know, hiring local project managers and builders to do that sort of work. Um, Essentially, they're, fun they're funding. They're, they're just acting like a like any sort of bank or any sort of um, you know equity provider in that situation. Um, and usually, they're high wealth individuals that have made their own money mm. and now saying, "I want to I want to do something new, something different." Uh, you might have, for example, it might be they might be trying to do something under the SIV, the Significant Investor Visa, trying to get uh, permanent residence into Australia, mm -hmm. have that that uh, that ability to go, come in and out of the country. They might be sending the wife and kids to live in Australia, so wife and kids might establish residency. Got great schools in Australia, so they want to, you know, give their kids sort of a, an Australian upbringing. 
um, and through our education system. So mm. I think it's a very exciting uh, time at the moment. Absolutely. And oh, go, Andy. No. Oh, and I guess what 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 are some of the the pitfalls that you you see when people you know coming into Australia trying to invest? Is there anything that you know that's most glaringly obvious? And you go, geez, you know, perhaps you should do it this way. Yeah, I think the biggest the the biggest question, or my first question, is usually around tax residency. Yeah. <laughs> um, because a lot of these people, they might, you know, you don't know what their behaviour is going to be like when they come into into the country, and especially if they've got permanent residency from a uh, migration point of view. I mean, that's that's saying something about their their intention. So um, the the biggest question is always around tax residency and how much time you're going to spend in the country. What's your pattern of behaviour going to be? Because obviously, when you're advising a tax resident as opposed to a foreign tax resident, the tax outcomes are completely different. Um, so establishing residency is usually a critical fact in, in the uh, in, in the advisory process. Yes, and as George just mentioned about uh, the permanent migration status for migration purposes, sorry, permanent resident status. Uh, our listeners just be aware that uh, your resident status for migration purposes or other purposes doesn't necessarily mean you're a tax resident. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And that's a great point, uh, Letty, because I think um, you know one of the one of the things I find surprising is that a client's uh, perception of what their residency status is compared to what the law actually sure. says yeah, might be completely different. Yeah. Different set of rules. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's right. Well, George, just as the actual inbound investment has increased, this area, as far as tax legislation goes, has also had a bit of activity. Would you mind maybe giving our listeners just some of the um, updates on things that have changed in this scope, maybe around CGT and yep. whatever else? Yeah, I think one of the big changes that happened was around uh, the uh, non-residents or foreign tax residents not being eligible to access the 50% capital gains tax yeah. discount. Okay. So previously, um, you know, if someone was investing into property for a capital purpose, so for a long-term hold to earn sort of uh, rental income, you would never recommend a company. You'd always recommend a trust because a company won't access the 50% CGT discount. Whereas now what we're saying is that a foreign client is probably going to be indifferent because they're not going to get the discount either way. Mm. So they're saying, well, I can either go for a trust or I can go for a company. The great thing about using a company for a foreign resident is that once the company has paid its 30% Australian tax, any frank dividends paid to a foreign tax resident don't attract any further Australian tax or any dividend withholding tax. So it means a foreign resident using a company can cap their Australian tax at 30%. So the decision previously was, well, do I pay tax at 47%? or do I get the CGT discount at 23.5%? Sure. Now mm. the question is, do I pay tax at 47% or do I pay tax at 30%? Uh, so companies... <laughs> tough so, decision. <laughs> <laughs> really tough decision, that one. <laughs> so, yes. so foreign tax residents now, you know, there's a bit of a mind, change in mindset as to what they can do, yeah. and companies that actually come to the forefront as a bit more of a, uh, as a preferred structure of, of choice. Yes. Now, if you have friends who are foreign residents who have owned Australian property for quite a few years, there's no need to panic because even though the CGT discount has been removed for them, they can still access a partial discount if they've owned the property for long enough. Mm. That's right. And, and, and George, so are you saying I should just, if I wanted to invest in property in Australia, just 
should set up a company if I'm a foreign resident, or is it really a horses for courses type policy? Oh, it's always horses for courses. It's always <laughs> limited to its Very facts. Poetic. It's never uh, easy. <laughs> <laughs> you just have non-tax factors horses as well, of course. That's yeah. right, that's right. No, and, non-tax factors. And, and that is, you know, sort of raised a really uh, important point. I mean, usually what we do is we sit down with the client, we understand what are their goals, mm. and then once we understand their goals, then we go through a process of saying, all right, what structure might you prefer, or what combination of structures? Um, you know, what what things might change? So, what clients say today, their intention can change over time. So, is the structure flexible enough? Sure. Uh, you look at maybe funding. You look at exactly what the operations are going to be. You even look at say exit strategy. Yeah. Um, you know, it may not be a simple realization mm. of of land. They might want to exit somewhere else in the track, or they might just want the choice to exit different ways. Mm. So, yeah. it's always about sitting down with the client, having that discussion. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of uh, foreign residents buying property in Australia, oftentimes they will also sell them. Regular listeners will remember two weeks ago I spoke about the government proposal to to impose a withholding tax on foreign residents buying selling property in Australia. In the December issue of the taxpayer that will come out in the next couple of weeks, there will be an article about that proposal. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's good that you plug the taxpayer because I was meant to do that. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, Nate. We know you're engrossed in this exciting topic. I was really, I know, it, was, it was very exciting. Okay, uh, that pretty much wraps things up for Tax Wrap Episode 5. This has been uh, your tax panel, Ange, Andy, Letty, and Nathan. And thank you to George Sarakos, who's Tax Director for Crow Horworth, for joining us. It's Thanks been fantastic. Thank you, George. Great, great, great insight, thank George. You. Thanks a lot, guys. See you later. Bye.